Welcome to the 11 Dubcast. This is Johnny and Andy. We're here. It is Christmas week, so happy holidays to all you who are celebrating. Um, we have a game to get to, though, and we are professionals, damn it, and we're going to be here. We're going to do this freaking thing. So <laughs> welcome to the 11 Dubcast. we got things to talk about. One thing that I think we need to, to get into, which normally we wouldn't get into until February, typically, but now, of course, in the past few seasons, we, we've seen it pushed back a little bit is, is early signing day. And so now, which is hilarious to me, by the way, Andy, and, and I want to start off with this. I want to ask you your feelings on this. They, they give the early signing period, right? And they say, okay, now we can do it in December and you've got all this time, blah, blah, blah. How has this not just become the de facto signing day? How has that changed anything other than just move it forward a couple months? And, and, and what does that actually, what purpose does that serve, do you think? Because to me, it's it's... Six and one half does the other almost. Yeah, you've. I mean, you've in essence just moved the calendar back. You you look at Ohio right. State's not, class. And they're not like moving it back a year. It's it's two months. Like, what does it do? Right. You look at and you look at Ohio State's class. It's it, the class is more or less complete, right? You're right. you're you're waiting on what one, maybe maybe two guys. Um, but you go through the twenty four players. That's a full class. It's twenty four players. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and with. Uh, I think the deal is you had uh, Clark Phillips was the one they were kind of waiting on, um, which went ahead and uh, he was the one that flipped to Utah. And then right. Cameron Martinez was the other guy that is waiting till February. So, yeah, you're waiting on one guy, basically. But you signed the full class, uh, including the big pledge from four-star quarterback C.J. Stroud, which was a big deal. I, what I look at is I think if I was a coach, I would hate this. Because you, you look at the week Ryan Day had – leading up to signing day he's he's locking down commitments he's trying to get rid of for this bowl game um he's got you know he, he's running all over the country doing these awards shows with his guys uh, because of the incredible season that fields and chase young and dobbins and so on and so forth akuda had that, that guy's been all over the country um and and trying to do his main job which is oh by the way win this game against clemson so i, I look at this and say man if i was a ryan day uh, or one of these other coaches in the playoffs specifically, but any of the New Year's Six Bowls, I just, I think this early signing day would drive me out of my mind. February, yeah. what are you doing in February? That's when, you sh- that's when you're supposed to be <laughs> getting yeah. guys to, you know. On the, on, the other, on the other hand, I suppose the nice thing about it, if you're a Ryan Day or a Nick Saban or, or a, a Dabo Swinney or whomever, you look and say, I get these guys uh, pen to paper sooner, it's done, it's over with. You know, then I don't have to worry about somebody else swooping in and and stealing my guys later on. Well, uh, it, it's it, the other part of it. Of course, it's changed the calendar on um, you know coaching, hiring, and firing in a huge way too. So, whole big trickle down effect by moving this calendar. Yeah, and it, there's a lot going on, and it's interesting to see how Ryan Day is you know going to Heisman ceremony stuff, and then immediately you see <laughs> pictures and images of him at a recruit's house, like literally hours later, and you're like, wait a minute, is this is this a North Korea situation? Are there doubles of Ryan Day just appearing in multiple places at once? Are we are we actually trying to you know try to just maximize our recruiting coverage here with with what we're doing with him? And it's exhausting, and I'm sure it's ridiculous and all this other stuff. You know, you look at the the rankings. Ohio State came in third. Uh, it's by by any measure, it's a great recruiting class, mm-hmm. and they've got guys who, I mean, obviously are the best of the best. Julian Fleming is, uh, according to 24/7 Sports, you know, the second rated recruit in the entire country. So you've got obviously really big dudes. Paris Johnson, number seven. I think you have eight total in the top 100, which is just mind boggling. That's it's really really good. 
Um, it's interesting to me to look at these other teams. I mean, if you look at the average rankings and, and how they scored out, Clemson, Bama, Ohio State, Georgia, uh, LSU are the top five. And obviously that's super Southern heavy, super SEC heavy. Um, I think the SEC comprises over half of the top 10 in the recruiting rankings. But here's here's the thing that I think is really fascinating. Clemson, for example, has five, or excuse me, six five-star uh, recruits signed. Alabama, the next closest, has three. So I don't, I mean, to me, people who complain about things like, and again, this is related directly to Clemson. And of course, we'll talk about Clemson a little bit later. Um, but, you know, people who talk about things like, oh, well, if we pay players, the competitive balance is just going to be all out of whack in college football. I mean, the haves and the have nots will just blah, 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 blah. It already exists. That's yeah. already there. All right. That's yeah. already there. It's always been there. And yes, it was lessened when they stopped giving, you know, allowing schools to give out unlimited amount of um, scholarships. But it's, I'm sorry, when a, when a team like Clemson has six five stars, mm-hmm. 11 four stars, and six three stars, and that's, that's the ratio they're working with, the disparity is set. And I just, I don't know, it boggles my mind that given all of the stuff and commitments that we expect them to do, the players is the them that I'm referring to that it wouldn't make sense for them to, to get compensated a little bit. So look, I love recruiting. I, I think it's really interesting on a macro level, but on a micro level, it just seems exhausting. <laughs> and I think it's the beginning of the argument that these players need to get paid and compensated in some fashion. Yeah, that's wild. I want to go back to something you said a minute ago when you were talking about the schools that were in those top 10 recruiting classes, the thing that uh, jumped out at me, there were two, two different graphics that uh, Fox's college football Twitter feed um, put out this last week that I thought were really indicative of where we are as a sport. The one was those top 10 classes. So Mm -hmm. of the top 10, you had Ohio State at number three, as you mentioned, the only other kind of non-Southern teams, because I'm I'm making Clemson an honorary SEC team, it it may as well be for all intents and purposes. Uh, I mean, Texas and Oklahoma, right? That's it. They came in at nine and 10. And otherwise, it's... Bama, Georgia, LSU, A&M, Auburn, and Florida, right? So there's right. seven of 10, uh, six of 10, maybe Ohio State, Clemson, and then Texas, Oklahoma. It's just wild. So one of the national reporters, and it might have even been one of the guys, the athletic uh, RE or somebody, maybe I don't remember, but it made the comment, if you want to talk about the SEC bias in 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 college football, it's it's not a bias that you go back and look at the the stars uh, mm-hmm. on recruiting day and they're all going to those schools and sure enough then that's the other graphic that uh, fox put out that again tells the tale is the big 10 recruiting rankings just within the conference you know the difference between ohio state's recruiting and and almost everybody else so michigan no five stars 13 four stars penn state no five stars 11 four stars um ohio state has two five stars and 14 four stars and then, and then you just kind of go from there um, Nebraska has 10 four-star recruits. All right. That's, that's pretty good. Good job, Nebraska. Yeah. They, and Nebraska Frost argue, getting it done. Fr- yeah. Frosty arguably has the hardest job of anybody because he has no recruiting ground in his right. backyard to speak of. I mean, you know, Nebraska high school football is not known for churning out five-star recruits the way some of the other States are. Um, but then the, look, the gap between number four and number five, Wisconsin came in at number five, four, four-star recruits. So you go from 10, for the fourth place class to four and the rest of the story there being 
that's the number five team. So everybody else <laughs> had fewer than four four-star recruits. Holy smokes. Yeah, the disparity is really ridiculous. And it's, I will also say on a positive note, it is definitely an exemplar as why coaching matters so damn much in college football. You look at, again, like a team like Wisconsin, which right now is situated between Mississippi State and Maryland. Look, they have some damn good coaching up there where they are not bringing in these incredible recruiting classes, but they are coaching these guys up and, and really playing a certain style of football that they just get them to buy in. And, and you see that in these teams that are kind of ranked a little bit lower where it's like, okay, well, maybe they're not getting the best recruits, but the coaching is there and they have a system and they know how to run it. And I, I appreciate that. That's why I like college football, because even though there are these haves and have nots, and I don't think that's ever going away, you can mitigate some of that with really good coaching. And it's, you know, it's fun to watch when you see a team that is ostensibly outclassed on paper and then they can come out and, and do some things against teams. So that is, I enjoy that. I think that's cool. I will say uh, we can talk a little bit more about recruiting, but I, one thing before I forget, the, the funniest thing that I saw, and maybe the most damning thing that I saw uh, in the recruiting rankings, Bowling Green is ranked 78th nationally. Uh, they've got 30 commits. Um, 12 of them are completely unranked. They've got 18 three-star players usc university of southern california is right there behind them at 79 they have one four star Holy 10 smoke. three star and everybody else is uh, well actually they had a really small class so that that was it and that probably contributed to their rankings but oh my god usc right with a small class but usc is sitting behind the likes of bowling green memphis western michigan BYU, Troy, Toledo. It, it is wild to me how quickly your fortunes can change in college football. You talk about 10 years ago or, or 12 years ago, USC being at the absolute top of the college football world yeah. and now nothing. And that's actually, I want to, I want to get to that as we move forward a little bit in this podcast. But to me, that is mind blowing. Well, and it's some, I mean, it goes back to what you're saying about coaching. And this, this is why I think two things people overlook when, when the the casual fan or even the the anti fan of college football gets on their high horse about coaching salaries, and, oh my god, I can't believe we're paying seven million dollars to you know insert D one P five coach here. Hey guys, look at USC's the perfect tale. All the tradition in the world, you know, national titles, umpteen Heisman Trophy winners, the song girls, the, maybe the coolest mascot in the business. That, I mean, they've got it all. Location, you know, how can you not sell? Southern California to a college recruit. I mean, I don't, I don't understand how you can't sell that. You go back to the Pete Carroll era, as you said, on top of the world. Yeah. Slippery Pete leaves to take a gig in the, in, you know, in the national football league and man, how quickly everything changes. And I suppose you could go back and say before Nick Saban came to Tuscaloosa, Alabama had kind of been out there in the wilderness for a while. So a coach really can change, you know, a program's whole trajectory pretty quickly uh and and success builds on success when you do that transition correctly you know, we we're pretty fortunate uh in columbus that you Co cooper was a pretty good coach even though he didn't win the games we kind of wanted him to he won a lot of football games right. Tressel was better at, and and won the games we wanted him to win and gosh urban meyer felt he won even more games and now look at ryan day you think hey maybe even can be better yet it, that's that's the good side of it, but it can change really quickly. So it, it makes sense to me why you throw Brinks truck money at these guys because of how important 
the, the role is that they play. And it all starts with this recruiting. And if you can seal that, that blow, that stat about Bowling Green. And I hadn't seen that Johnny, that That's just, hilarious. that floors me. That, <laughs> that again, just kills me. And, and, a and lot what of I don't understand is how such a small class, but it, you, yeah. I mean, look, Illinois is ranked higher than them and they have almost <laughs> the exact same numbers in their class, but right. I mean, but they were able to find better dudes and it's just, it's hilarious to me. And again, like, it's not, you know, USC should have all the institutional advantages in the yes. world. And yeah. part of, as, to your point, part of your job as a coach is to get this recruiting stuff done. And, you know, Ryan Day, I think, has done a really good job. I, I will say that um, it's interesting, his approach. It's different. It, it is definitely different than what we have seen in the past. If you look at specifically, specifically geographically where these players are from, it is not these traditional kind of pipelines, Ohio state under urban Meyer really focused on places like Florida and Georgia. And a large number of players came from that who kind of supported the bulk of these classes. We're looking at players now a lot from the West coast, which I think is really interesting. You're looking at California, Arizona, and a lot of places, Mm -hmm. Uh, the New Jersey area is going to be a, or has been an area of focus. And we're going to see what happens when Shiano gets in, because I think that's going to lead some recruiting battles, but it's, it's different. It isn't the same kind of focus as it's been in the past. And of course you've got the prerequisite Ohio kids who, you know, I think are going to do a really good job. Um, you know, particularly guys like Paris Johnson, who would just, you know, a monster, but um, yeah, I, I mean, to me, it's kind of fascinating to see this develop because it isn't predictable because it's Ryan day. You know, we knew kind of what urban Meyer was going to focus on, but Ryan day, we don't. And for him to be successful long-term, I think he has to kind of have a niche that he'll fall into as a, as a guy who goes after recruiting. And of course, when you've got, you know, when you've got guys like Mark Pantone helping you out, you know what I mean? That's <laughs> makes things a little bit easier, but mm-hmm. it, the vibe has changed a little bit and I'm curious to see how it evolves over the next few years. So great recruiting class, obviously, you know, doing things third in the nation, um, got some really, really, really good players, hopefully going to get another one here. Um, it sucks, obviously, losing, you know, Phillips, but that's it happens. Sometimes you lose recruiting battles to Utah, I guess. Yeah, you know, that's, that's one of those things. <laughs> It'll happen. Uh, It'll happen. One know, of the guys, one of the guys in Slack said it this way. You know, it's like if you lose, if you lose one to Utah, hey, you know, you can't even be mad about that. Tip your cap, man. Because yeah, that's that's exactly it. You you just tip your cap. Uh, hey, even Maryland got a five-star signee this cycle. You know, <laughs> things happen. <laughs> right. And it's, you know, it sometimes there's just something about a place that appeals to a kid. And, and it's not, I mean, always insidious. I mean, sometimes it is insidious and you get money. And, yeah, I'm not going to pretend like that's some kind of rarity or it doesn't happen in certain places. But, um, you know, sometimes the kid just wants to go where they want to go. And there's nothing wrong with that. And, nope. you know, as long as it's, you know, something that they actually feel confident in and they're not you know what i mean they're not feeling like they're being taken advantage of a railroad decision i think that's great um here's the thing too you know this is becoming a more the transfer thing is becoming more player friendly i think you and i both believe it will continue to trend more player friendly you know so i think there's less i think there's less pressure to get it right the first time so to speak like if, sure. you know, if you're feeling if you're feeling led to go to utah for whatever reason i don't know this kid's particular story but if you're feeling led to go there for whatever reason hey go ahead if it doesn't work out two years from now there's a pretty good chance you're going to be able to cash in your chips and go somewhere else right you know right so why not yeah take that take the shot see what happens and you know 
it's when you have the kind of talent that a lot of these players do, it's not, you know, it's not like going to hurt your ability to get to the NFL or something like that. They will see your talent. They'll see what you're able to do. Um, So anyway, we've got obviously a huge game coming up in a few days here uh, this coming Saturday, you know, Ohio state, I, (laughs) I shouldn't feel this way, but I do. I feel a little comforted that they're going to the desert and they're going to be in Arizona and I just think Ohio State has traditionally done very well there. And I know that's nonsensical. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yes, you're going to have the crowd on your side, and that's great. But I just like the I like the vibe. You know what I mean? If the vibe check is is in, I, I think the vibe's feeling good. And, and they just landed. They're in there. They're going to do their prep. Um, here's the thing. We were talking a little bit about this uh, either yesterday or a few days ago. And we were talking about how similar these teams are on paper. I am a little – I am not as convinced. And, and so – Here's what I want to ask you, because to me, yes, statistically, they're really similar. I think they have some very important differences. So I want to ask you, Andy, what do you think is going to be the key matchup between these two teams? What? So where do you see it's like strength on strength, where these two teams are really like the game's going to be decided on how that particular battle is won? Where do you see that? Yeah, I liked uh, I like the the comparisons when you go through position group by position group and and you might be tempted to say, okay, well, gosh, you know, Justin Fields is, is really great, but huh, sunshine there for uh, the, the Tigers. He's uh he's pretty darn good <laughs> signal caller too. And it's tempted to go down through those. I, I thought, thought our, our man, Dan Hope had a really great piece this week talking about how important JK Dobbins and the running game is yeah. to this game. Uh, because if, if you go back, to the last time the the Tigers and the Buckeyes squared up, um, you know they were Clemson was able to make Ohio State super one dimensional in that game. Now you know part of that game came down to you you didn't have the weapons in, in, to use the term that season that you have this year. Ohio State's offense is much more um, prolific in a lot of ways, much more. Um, ways, the uh, different ways that the this team can make you pay for your mistakes or your tendencies, or you can't really sell out to stop the run because fields can make you pay through the air and so on and so right. forth. So that that's a big thing. But I, I really thought Dan had a nice, insightful piece about how important because Ohio State's offense is predicated on that. And so there were a few times where you maybe got frustrated with the play calling this season it was because you're watching and and you're used to Dobbins getting six and seven yards a carry. And in some of those games um, where it was tighter in the first half, maybe he's only getting two and a half and three yards a carry. And you're like, man, you know, it's time to do something else. But there's a reason that you kept chipping away and chipping away and chipping away. You know, for one thing that Ohio State's got the horses to do that. Um, right. And and maybe this is a, a better uh, matchup line on line. Um, for Ohio State than it was the last time. Ohio State's offensive line matches up maybe much better against Clemson's defensive line this time than they did. Uh, that, that's what I want to see. If J.K. Dobbins can get it going, you know, turn him loose and do his thing, and if that starts working really well, it just opens up everything else for the offense. So that, that right. to me, is where it's going to come down. Because that's what you would you would expect from a Clemson team, right, is that you're going to have just this insane defense, these, you know, NFL linemen, um, you know, just it, it, everything about them is built to to stymie offenses that aren't, you know, the literally best in the country. Well, yeah. hey, guess what, guys? Ohio State has literally one of the best two or three offenses in the country. So 
Yeah. That, that to me, that's the strength on strength I'm looking to see. See, because here's the thing. And, and I actually think that to me, the game is not necessarily going to be one strength on strength. I actually think it's going to be whichever team can exploit their strength on the other opponent's weakness the best. Yep. Um, because I really like to me. And I guess what I'm saying then is that I, I expect this to be a, maybe a higher scoring game. And the part uh, that I think about that is, I, I, first of all, I don't know that Clemson's defensive line is quite as good as it's been in years past. And it's, it's still very good. I mean, let's, yep. I mean, obviously it's Clemson, right? They're going to be mm-hmm. legit. But I think Ohio State has an offensive advantage that they can press a little bit with the offensive line. And as you said, J.K. Dobbins is a really big thing. But to me, I really think the key matchup here is going to be um, Clemson's offensive line, which is not great versus i mean it's it's good it's i'm not i'm not saying they're trash or anything like that but they are not this all world you know whatever all americans everywhere kind of offensive line versus ohio state's defensive line which is very very good and and you can even i mean chase young obviously is going to be a huge factor into this but what we've seen the past three or four games here is with chase young getting double and triple teamed on basically every play some of those other players have emerged and done some really really good things so to me it's it's forcing Clemson to do those two-step, three-step drops and get the ball out really, really quickly and really change the way that their passing game is situated. Because the thing about Clemson to me is like th- this is a home run hitting team. This is a team that wants to take you deep and put points on the board quickly. I don't know that they like dinking and dunking it as much down the field as, as you might think. Um, I think Trevor Lawrence wants to kind of hit those big hitters against Ohio State. And if you are forced to get the ball out of your hand quickly because of the influence of Chase Young, then maybe you're not going to see that happen as much. So to get them off their game, I, I really want to see how well Ohio State's defensive line plays against a Clemson offensive line, which is not that awesome. It's it's fine, but it's not great. Well, and you talk about those big plays. I mean, that's, that's a huge difference for Ohio State this season from a year ago. I mean, it feels like yeah. if this matchup was happening a year ago, you'd really sweat that because Ohio state was had his pension for giving up. Right. You know, these, these yeah, kind no, of backbreakers. Exactly. Yes. And I would be this, this defense, you know, is not, is not giving up those same kind of plays. That's yeah. that, that, that identity has changed just night and day uh, from a year. So you, oh man, that's a, that's going to be really interesting to see how, how they hold that identity through this game when they're facing the best team they faced all year. Yeah, and the thing is, I mean, Clemson, you know, they're, like I said, they're excellent. And there's so much about Clemson that you can look at and go, oh, like, crap, you know, that this team is is just going to, they can come in, they can kind of throw the ball around, do whatever they want, and et cetera. And you've got to watch out for Trevor Lawrence, who's heating up, and you've got to watch out for ATN, obviously, who's really good. But I really think the game is going to be won or lost, depending on how well Ohio State is able to frustrate what they want to do. And I, you know, to me, if I am game planning for this opponent, if I'm one of the Ohio State coaches, I want to go, what do I do to make this a four quarter game? Right. Like, what do I do to make this so hard for, uh, you know, Dabo and all them to, to actually game plan for that? They're going to be pissed off that in the third quarter, maybe it's like a one score game or less than that. And they have run out of like options and they've got to kind of just like wing it. That to me is the ideal situation for Ohio State. If they can frustrate Clemson to the point where their offensive game plan in the first half does not net them a lead 
or a large lead, then I think you've pretty much you're you're sitting pretty for the second half. So that's really what I would be looking for. You got to limit guys like T. Higgins, for example. T. Higgins going off and you know averaging like 20 yards per reception, things like that. You've got to limit that. That's got to be that's got to be kept down. Um, and if you can do that, I think you got a pretty good shot. So what? Let me ask you this: Who do you think has to perform? Like who? Who do you think of these three of the three top Ohio State players? Do you think has to perform the best? Justin Fields, J.K. Dobbins, or Chase Young? Yeah, it's. Pro- I mean, it's probably got to be Fields. You know, one of the things that you know concerns me. Back to this conversation we were having a minute ago about the Ohio State's offensive line versus Clemson's defensive line. Yeah. Uh, the the one concern you have a is how's house fields knee uh feeling you know three four weeks later um and and then secondly you know he's one of the he's one of the most sacked quarterbacks you know of of the top tier you know quarterbacks that's the one knock you've had on him and the offensive line is that he's ended up on the turf one too many times some of that's he's holding on the ball too long you know, he's maybe taking a little too long at times to make his reads or he, or he misses, uh, you know, an uh, open guy and he you know goes on down through the progression because um, he didn't see the guy that was open or whatnot. So that 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 does concern me, because if he is still nursing that that sprain, uh, you know, he gets sacked a time or two there. But you know, he's the straw that stirs the drink. Right. It, it, to me, to some extent, it doesn't matter how well. um Chase Young performance on that side of the ball. If Ohio State can't score enough points to right. to get past him, I mean, I realize I'm channeling my inner John Madden and saying that the team that scores more points will win the ball game. <laughs> so that's, but no, but, but, you I, got, but I think you got to score more than 30, 35. Like I think yeah, that's, that's it, right. you're not going to win a 26-24 game. I don't see that happening. Exactly. So, so that's where I come back to. I mean, he's just Fields is the straw that stirs the drink. So you know, if if he's feeling his oats. Um, if he's able to make some plays on the ground, that's the big thing is that Clemson has to continue to respect him as a threat on the ground. Uh, if he comes in, you know, looking gimpy and they get him, uh, on the turf a time or two early and, and they start feeling like, Hey, yeah, we've got, we're in this guy's head. Then that just shrinks the playbook, um, and, and makes some challenges there. Flip side of that, you know, and, and I suppose I could, I could talk the, the J.K. Dobbins side of that, on the other hand, say, hey, if Dobbins comes out there looking like, you know, a Heisman Trophy contender, um, you know, like the best running, you and I, I think, both feel he's uh, arguably the best running back in the country. I, mm-hmm. I, I think he's I think he's undersold at times at how good he is. Um, you know, if he's having that kind of day, then that takes some pressure off field, certainly. Yeah, I think, I mean, I agree with you. I think Fields is really the, the key piece to this. and. I don't know necessarily that he has to have a lot of running yards. Clemson just has to respect that. And if he goes out and passes for 400 yards and has zero rushing yards, I, I'm still comfortable with yeah, that. I still absolutely. think he can win a game it's like that. It's just a threat. Yes. They they have to be understanding that there are two people who can run in the backfield. And that will definitely change a lot of how they you know have to defensively adjust for Ohio State. The thing about Ohio State that I really like offensively, that, I, that you saw especially in the um, Big Ten Championship game, is there's no panic. I mean, that Ryan Day will keep tinkering and doing things and, and figuring out who's hot, who they should be throwing to, whatever. And he, there is zero panic in what they do. They have utmost yeah. confidence in their system and their scheme. And it's not a super complicated scheme. I mean, people know what's coming at you when you're seeing Ohio State. This is not, you know, it's not rocket science. You know exactly who's go- you know going to get the majority of the um, carries, obviously. You're going to know who's going to be thrown to for the most part. It's not like they're going out and running goofy ass route trees that nobody can figure out. Um, 
but they just they make it work and they find the fish and they figure out who's going to be the guy that they want to target and they'll get them. Uh, I, I think there is I think there's going to be a fish in the Clemson defense. I think they're going to find a hole. They're going to figure out a way to exploit it and continue to attack it. The problem is they've just got to make sure that they keep pace with what Clemson's going to be able to do because Clemson's going to score points. So to me, it really is you got to get above that. I would say they got to score around 38 to to have a really good shot at winning this game. They get to that mark, I think they're good. Um, that's going to be hard. That's going to be hard. Clemson is not a pushover by any means. Now, granted, Ohio State by far the best offense and defense that the Clemson has faced this season. Um, but I don't know, man. It's it's a really interesting game for a lot of reasons because yeah, and it, and that's I mean that's a thing that's gotten overlooked. I feel like, and you know, you have Dabo. Um, you know who I I have a Michigan level distaste for. Right, it's singing this song that oh we're nobody respects us. No, they didn't want us in the playoffs and blah 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 blah. But but you know, people are quick to point out, you know, oh this is the best team Ohio State's faced all season. Oh, this is the best team. Well, yeah, this is the best team Clemson's faced all season too. And the gap between the best Clemson team Clemson has faced up until now um, is much wider than the gap oh, yeah. between Clemson and the second best team Ohio State's faced yeah. all year long. I mean, you know, that's my thing is, is you know, there's no question Clemson is one of the best teams in the country. However, comma, I mean, Ohio State's been tested a few times. Uh, and they've been in some situations and they've had some adversity. One of the words I think gets overused in sports context, but they faced some adversity and had to pick themselves back up off the mat to quote Joe Clatt during the championship game and so on. Clemson hasn't, I mean, okay, you got tested by North Carolina, Crimea River, you know, so. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, nobody was, nobody's looking at that game as like, this is when they officially became a team, you know, right. like, it's, like, yeah, great, you're undefeated, but we're not, you know, when were you really sweating yeah. um, during the season? So, I, I mean, it's interesting because you look at guys, you look at players like Travis Etienne, for example, and this is a guy who's got 1,500 yards rushing on less than 200 carries. He's over eight per carry. But this guy, I got to tell you something. Uh, Saquon Barkley was a guy who got a ton of love as a college player, and I think a lot of it was deserved. I think a mm-hmm. lot of it was overblown. Mm-hmm. And – I want to see which Travis Etienne shows up because this guy to me reminds me a lot of Saquon Barkley where you'll have a game where he just blows up and you're like, holy crap, this is the greatest running back who ever lived. And then the next game, I was like, well, we'll get three yards per carry, right? Like I'll run it 15 tar- times for 51 yards against a bad defense. Um, so I, I really want to see which Travis shows up because if it is the Travis who struggles to find holes and ends up running to the backs of his offensive linemen, um, I think Ohio State's going to – I think they're really going to have a, uh, you know, a, an advantage in this game. But if it's the guy who comes out and he's, you know, pulling off 40, 50, 60-yard runs every third time he gets the ball, Ohio State's going to be in trouble. So I'm, I'm really curious to see how that's going to develop, maybe even more, more so than how Trevor Lawrence is going to play against Ohio State because I think they'll just try to limit the guy. I don't think they're going to try to shut him down. Right. Um, so if ATN comes out and he's, he's just balling out, then Ohio State might be in a little bit of trouble. But if not, if he's, you know, not looking great, then – I think Ohio State has the advantage from the get-go. So to me, this is a fascinating game. Um, I really, really want to beat Clemson because I hate Dabo and I just want to shut him up. And he, and again, he'll cry his crocodile tears and blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, you know, next year we'll be underrated again and we'll show I'm like, okay, shut up, dude. Poor Pencil um, Dabo. Yeah. But uh, I just want him to avenge 
you know, a really everything. terrible loss. <laughs> literally everything. Yeah, I want to avenge literally everything. A really terrible <laughs> loss, a loss that was less terrible but ended in a crappy way. Um, and, you know, maybe this is karma for Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer, Jesus, Woody Hayes punched <laughs> dude in the throat. But haven't we suffered enough? Haven't we suffered enough oh, no, for our crazy coach punching a, a kid in the in the throat? I don't know. I'm just it was it was Clemson's fault. I'm just that's right. I'm putting all of this on Clemson. And nothing bad, nothing, nothing good for Clemson and everything bad. <laughs> that's right. Um, so anyway, all I'm saying is, man, I want this game. I, I think Ohio State's got a really good shot. Right now, Clemson, I believe, is two and a half point favorites, but we can I don't know. We'll give our predictions towards the end of this. We'll That's see. That's free money, we... Johnny. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So we do have to, I want to shuffle into basketball a little bit because Woo! I look, we talked, this is another thing we talked about on Slack. I, if you told me that Ohio state was going to be three and O after playing UC, uh, Kentucky and North Carolina at the beginning of the season, I would have laughed at you, especially with this roster. Like no way too young, too early. Holtman's a great coach, but that seems completely unrealistic. And now they're going in to playing West Virginia here in a little bit, and they could be 4-0 against those teams. Yeah. I, my mind is blown by this. I think it's hilarious. I think it's super hilarious the fact that, again, they're a bunch of Lindsell Smiths kind of running around. Not real, You know, there's no real star that everybody's like, wow, this guy's amazing. And I love that. I think it's freaking fantastic. Now, DJ Carton had an incredible game. Uh, he was everywhere against uh, Kentucky. But I got to tell you, man, I really like this team a lot. This is a fun team to watch. We're back to our conversation about how important recruiting is. You, you know, you you're you're right, like that. You don't have a you don't have a necessarily a lottery pick uh, on no. the squad right now. Uh, you're 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 not looking at the. You go back to um, something, and I think it might have been Kyle Jones who who said to us that if you compare Ohio State's roster this year to its previous title contenders you know there's a depth here um, yeah oh, and, God. and some of this i mean there this is one of the things you and i actually talked about a few weeks ago you know thad mod mo was okay we're pretty much going to play six guys yep i mean that's i mean that's about it right you know it's he, he was not playing nine and ten guys off the bench like that was <laughs> not his style and and here you have you know, holman he, he's he's taken a much much different approach to how he's building his roster and the different looks he can put out on the floor, the different personnel he can put into play. I mean, it's it, it's really, I mean, it's kind of fun because then those teams that they've beaten, the, these the, the ones you know say, hey, if we could have gone, you know, one one or two out of some of these four or five kind of early season tests that we've thrown at us, hey, we're doing pretty well, and then they've pretty well swept the table. Uh, that's that's incredible. Uh, yeah. but it comes back to the guys he's recruited, the buy-in factor. I mean, he's brought in people that fit his offense shooting, you know, much better shooting than, than what we'd seen, you know, the, the couple years prior to his arrival defense has still been there. I mean, that's definitely, uh, you know, hallmark of the program in general. Uh, but I'm, I'm just, I mean, I'm blown away by what he's done in such a short period of time, taking a team that was you know, not even a big 10 title contender, but now is, is literally, you know, a, a potential one seed in the NCAA tournament, number right. one in Ken Palm ratings, number five, I think this week in the AP, but you know, one loss all season, um, and wins over blue blood after blue blood. Uh, yeah. Hey, I'm, 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 I'm all in. This is great. Well, 
And the thing that I love about it is that it also sets you up for the future. When you've got players who are contributing young, but they're not necessarily like, okay, this is going to be a, you know, a player of the year candidate or things like that. When you have that kind of play, when you have those kind of players, they're going to be in the program for a while. It allows you to sustain things. You don't have to worry about getting the next best player because, you know, when you're only, when there are five guys on the court, right. And you're worried about making sure that those five guys are the best five guys who ever played because your bench is not up to par then you've got to worry about the next recruiting class being just as great because a lot of those guys are going to be gone. They're going to right. do one and done. They're going to be piecing out. And Chris Holtman doesn't really have that problem because honestly, as, as much as I enjoy watching players like Dwayne Washington and DJ Carton and all that, and maybe some of them are going to leave. I think a lot of them are going to stay and you're going to be able to develop a program and sustain it. And it's, it's funny because they just beat a team that is a complete opposite philosophy, right? In terms of how yeah. they recruit and build what they're trying to do. And, you know, this it's one game and it's, it's still December. So obviously you can't really predict what March is going to look like, but you know, to me, this is just an Ohio state team that sets up really well for the future. There isn't any one huge dominant team in college basketball this season. Um, You've got a lot of teams are really good, but nobody who's really great. And, you know, when you've got a team that plays defense this hard, that gets contributions from so many different players and any one of those players can end up taking over the game on a given night that, that is the perfect, most delicious recipe for success in March Madness. And I want to see this team do some good things. I Do they need to go to the Final Four? Maybe. Depends what they look like in March. Right. Uh, but that's where the expectations are at. And that's what's so cool about it. Because it's not a situation where you're like, oh, well, you know, maybe they get into the second weekend and we'll be happy. That's not where our expectation games are at anymore. We're thinking Final Four in December. That's fun. I love that. That's a lot. That's that's a statement to what Chris Holtman's been able to do with the recruiting and how he's developed these players. Yeah, and and looking, you know, what we were talking about the the depth. You know, that game against Kentucky had seven guys who scored at least seven points. You know, th- yeah, three of them, wild. three of them in triple digits, but in, in triple digits, double digits. Um, <laughs> but but you know that I mean that's. Kyle Young with 10, Caleb Wesson with 10, and, and DJ Carton with 15. So it's not like you had, you know, one guy who's out there throwing up no 20-some points. I mean, it's just it's a, the, the balance uh, that's there. And, and you know, everybody's pretty good on the rebounds, too. You know, we've got a, a handful of guys that had five-plus rebounds, so you love that. I mean, that's super important, obviously, part of the – part of the deal. Um, but, but they weren't shooting the lights out against Kentucky, you know, 50% from the field, um, 31% from three point range. So, you know, it's, it's not, uh, that's not sensational, but it's a heck of a lot better than what Kentucky shot. Um, and huge disparity in free throws, uh, almost 80% from, from the stripe for Ohio state versus 61% for UK. So huge, huge differences um, you know, and all of the shooting percentages. So I just, I, I love anytime you can beat Kentucky at basketball. I mean, man, that's incredible. Yeah, it's really it incredible. Is, it is. It's a statement game. It says a lot about, um, you know, what Ohio State's been able to do under Chris Holtman in the past few years. And the thing that I really enjoyed about this game, I mean, it was back and forth, right? Until, you know, basically halfway through the first half. And then you look at it and they just, they basically sat on Kentucky's chest and they kind of just kept the lead. And, that's hard to do against a team like Kentucky and a coach like Cal. It, they did things that Ohio State was not capable of doing under Thad Mata, um, in part, I think, because of the depth, because you have to rotate guys. And if somebody gets in foul trouble, you're like, oh, crap, what are we bringing in? Um, you don't see that with this Ohio State team. They can just keep doing what they're doing, and that's they can absorb a lot of that. And it's just, to me, like I said, that sets them up for success in March. 
we'll see what happens throughout the Big Ten season. There's a lot that can happen. There's a lot that's going to change. But right now they're looking really good, and I'm excited to see what's going to you know play out in the next few months. So that's yeah, fun. I mean, another big game coming up here, you know, this game with uh, West Virginia up in Cleveland. Right. That's that's going to be fun. What a weekend of Ohio State sports, right? So we're going to bowl game oh on God, yeah. Saturday night and uh, high noon the next day, another top 25 matchup. That's and I, I know I said this probably last week and maybe maybe two weeks in a row. Uh, but I just really impressed with the schedule that Holtman's put together for the guys this season. I mean, you, yeah. you're, you're going to have you're you're going to walk into the heart of conference play with wins over Villanova, North Carolina, and Kentucky, and potentially West Virginia. Here, I mean, these are these are some of the best basketball programs in the business. Right? Uh, it's it's really incredible. And then you know, two weeks later, uh, huge huge meeting with Maryland for um, you know, conference supremacy, so to speak. Uh, yeah. that's, I mean, by the time tournament season rolls around, there isn't much that Holtman's Buckeyes haven't, won't have seen at that point. Yeah. And there's, there's not a whole lot that, you know, they'll, they'll be in like, not just haven't seen, but I think different styles, different types of teams that they haven't played against. You know what I mean? Right. Like when you're, yeah. when you're playing against really elite teams, you want to see as many different, offensive styles player you know compositions when it comes to how the rosters organized and whatnot you want to you want to get as much experience with that as you can mm-hmm. and it's going to make them just a young team experienced i think really quickly so that's really good um so that's great that's awesome i i'm really excited to see how that plays out uh let's do a little bit of ask us anything remember ask us anything the 11 dubcast we're of course sponsored by the dry goods store um at uh, drygoods.11warriors.com shirts hats stickers and more if you forgot a christmas gift you need to make up for somebody it's always there always good stuff definitely recommend it um we just have one question this week it's it's christmas everybody's taking it easy i get it i get it uh, it's fine uh our our good friend alvin wants to know um are christmas presents overrated nine out of ten times you receive or give a gift that nobody wants what are your thoughts on this well, Alvin, if I was a if I was a real sob, I would tell you you need to do a better job picking out gifts. That's uh, right. <laughs> people don't want you gift. Now, I will say the older That's on you, Alvin. Yeah, the, the older I get, um, and I'm not that old, but the older I get, the less I want. So yeah. you know, as as you and I are taping this, I mean, we we're just a couple hours removed from uh, Christmas with my family because we'll be we're traveling to the stunning Mrs. Vance's homeland. Uh, over the actual holiday but so we went down to the farm today and spent time with my family and you know my brother and I were talking a few weeks ago we were like you know we don't really need to buy each other anything this this Christmas because you know <laughs> my, we, my sister we're my wife and I are just taking her sister my sister out and uh and her husband out for like we're going out to dinner together you know yeah, what I mean like that's, right that music that's a good gift I like well that and, gift. and that's, that's I mean and, and what does that say you you what you just said the same thing uh, that underlies ours like we just want to spend time together that yeah. that's you know, there's something to some extent, the experiences over things concept that's kind of taken, you know, hold uh, more and more in the modern area. Like, I buy into that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, some of it to some of it's like if there's something, if there's a thing, a, a widget, a gadget or whatever that I want, um, chances are it's more money than I want to ask a family member to spend on me or right. it's something that I just think I ought to go buy myself, you know, because it's something yeah. I want, not something I need. That doesn't mean that I don't enjoy an, a nice gift. Don't get me wrong. Um, and I got, you know, have, have been, very, but I, I, I think more and more, um, you know, it's, 
it's Christmas, especially it's about my kid. You know, that's, that's sure. what I enjoy is seeing, seeing the little tyke open presents. So, yeah, yeah I don't, I mean, I don't personally think Christmas presents are like overrated. No. I, I think if someone, I think if someone takes the time to actually think about who you are and picks out something that they think that you would like, I appreciate that. I think that's really good. I mean, and my family members and, you know, people that I know, they know what I like and what I don't like and things that I'm interested in. Cause I talk about it ad nauseum. <laughs> so if you give me something along those lines, you're like, Oh, Johnny would really like this. I appreciate that. Even yeah. if it's something that I don't necessarily want, I'm like, wow, that's a really thoughtful gift. I appreciate that. That's fun. Um, on the other hand, if it's like a perfunctory thing, we're like, uh, well, we got to get Johnny a shirt. <laughs> because <laughs> we forgot to get him something then don't don't even worry about it and it's not even something where i'm you know sour grapes like oh man right didn't get me the best i don't care about that i just if you didn't think about it and it's something you're not you know too concerned about then i'm not too concerned about it. it's not that big of a deal but if it's something that people were like you know this johnny will really like this then cool then i'll, I'll love it and i'll appreciate the fact that you thought about it so to me i like to get people useful things you know what i mean things that i know that they'll use in their yeah. life and that actually will help them out because um, otherwise it's like, eh, you know, I don't need like I'll, it's like you said, if there's something I really want that people don't really necessarily know that I need, I'll just yeah. get it myself. You know what I mean? Like It's right. it's fine. It's not a big deal. So I don't know. That's where I'm at. I, I think we should really just focus on getting people things that really are meaningful. If you if you have to get somebody something, you know, they're a close family member or, you know, girlfriend, boyfriend, you know, somebody that you're with, whatever uh make sure it's something that's unique to them not just some perfunctory like here's a gift it's christmas sorry <laughs> and, and alvin if, you, if you're not sure what to get us for christmas alvin don't, don't you know just uh hit me up on, <laughs> i was about to say you just hit, hit me up on twitter ask, we we can we can get you, you some email? suggestions it's all that's good right. Yeah. <laughs> that's right was this just a low-key thing like he alvin <laughs> forgot again <laughs> damn it come on man <laughs> Yes, that's right. I forgot you too, Alvin. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> um, so that's Ask Us Anything. Keep sending those questions in. Uh, dubcast at 11warriors.com or at 11dubcast on Twitter. Uh, as we get out of here, Clemson predictions. We got to do it. I, I, I don't love doing this because I feel like it's a really important game. When we're playing, you know, like Rutgers, I'm like, hell yeah, 500 to nothing. But <laughs> against Clemson, I feel this actually carries a little bit of weight and I'm a little bit nervous about giving a prediction um so i'm gonna make you do it first <laughs> yeah i knew i knew you were i knew yeah, that's I where you were going i hate you uh yeah. so i i tend to agree with you this is going to have to be a a high scoring game um higher scoring maybe than it was the last time i don't know if i think it's going to get quite to 38 points i mean i think both these defenses are pretty good so i'm thinking more along the lines of something like 35 27 ohio state Okay. All right. I think I think it's gonna be a close one. I, I do right now, as of this recording, that we're doing this on Sunday. So we've got a ways before the game. So who knows what'll happen before, you know, from now until then. But I still I think Ohio State's gonna pull it off. I think it's gonna be a really close game. I, I think it's gonna be something like, I don't know, 38-35 Ohio State. So within yeah. within a score, higher scoring, close to 40. I think Ohio State gets it done, but it's going to be real close. So, again, 38-35 is what I'm feeling on Sunday night. And and who knows? That may change by Friday night. By Friday night, by Saturday night, I'll probably be feeling like Clemson's going to win by 70. But um, right now, I think Ohio State gets it done. I, I think they just have too much depth, and I think Chase Young's going to eat. So, hopefully it happens. Hopefully we're both right, and Ohio State moves on to the, the national championship in yeah. Ryan Day's first year as uh, as a head coach. 
full-time for Ohio State. That's pretty freaking wild. It's wild that he's even in this position to begin with. But, um, yeah, man, it's it's been a hell of a ride. So no matter what happens, I'm excited. I'm also Johnny. He's Andy. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. And happy holidays to everyone.